Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello once again, Chris Malone from the 98.5 KTK Morning Show. Here is your recap for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Talked a little bit about uh, possibility of finally getting a better sunscreen. And what I mean by that is that sunscreens we have today are pretty good, especially when you consider that we went from uh, the zinc oxide, which, you know, was that white stuff that you see everywhere, to kind of a, a sunscreen that you really don't see with the naked eye. It's not really oily, and it does a pretty good job of keeping your sun, uh, uh, your skin protected from the uh, sun's harmful UV light. Problem is, is uh, a couple of things. One of them, is that um, you're still getting, you still run the risk of having some sort of skin damage, even if you are using sunscreen, because there's a better way, we can do a better job with the sunscreens. But probably more prevalent over the last few years is the idea um, of the, uh, the uh, revelation that uh, some chemicals in our sunscreens, in particular oxybenzone, uh, actually kills off the uh, ocean's coral reefs, and that is kind of a problem. In fact, some countries have banned it. Uh, sunscreen that has uh, uh, the uh, the oxybenzone in it, and as well as the state of Hawaii, you can't use that. So, um, scientists say they may have uncovered it um, by actually increasing the molecule size of the oxybenzone. Follow me on this one, okay? So that the oxybenzone is actually the chemical that absorbs the sun's radiation. And um, when it does that, that's what keeps you from burning. So you're able to get, you know, the, being outside and not have anything about the skin burns. So if you make that molecule larger, therefore it's going to cover more of your skin, which means you'll probably need less, and it will do just as good or even a better job. The more interesting thing I found about this article is that they made the oxybenzone molecule too large for coral reefs to consume or ingest. So the theory behind it is that this will not be something that the uh, coral can eat and therefore should be able to help them to survive. Of course, this is all stuff that's done into the uh, uh, in, in a lab versus out in the real world to see if this actually happens. Who knows? But it does show the world that we are getting a little bit faster progress in a lot of this uh, technology I'd mentioned on the air you know, you know, just look at the look at the terms of cancer survival rates over the last two or three decades. Uh, cancer, breast cancer used to be a death sentence, and I think the recovery rate now is approaching ninety percent. So it is almost as is uh, you know, it's just incredible how quickly in, in in the big picture we've come along in battling some of these cancers with science. So pretty cool. Uh, talked a little about the the Funko Pop uh, collectibles. You know, the little look like little bobbleheads, I guess. Um, I think they're cute. I think they're 
too many of them, and a lot of people think there are way too many of them. And uh, the company that makes the Funko Pop collectibles thinks so as well. They're actually slated to destroy about $36 million of inventory, mainly because their their uh, profit lost about 48% of their revenue last year. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a trifold as to bad luck for Funko Pop. One of them is the fact that we're now out of the pandemic. During the pandemic, they, they had a surge of people buying the Funko Pop collectibles because we had a bunch of money and we had nowhere to spend it. So that kind of came into it. The other part of it is that um, I do think that they're kind of oversaturated in the sense that they're everywhere and they're like, you know, they come out faster than car models. And it's just kind of, you know, there's no reason for, for you to, to buy one. And then uh, kind of lastly is that they really have not returned the uh, collectible investment that people would tend to think of them getting. And I would say that would be true for now. Um, you know, they remember Beanie Babies. I remember back in the 90s and 2000s, those are going to be cash crops as well. Well, they didn't turn out to be. But as time goes on, those things become more and more valuable. So... Again, maybe it's a good move for Funko Pop collectibles, but I do uh, tend to think that uh, we'll be seeing less of the product in the next year. So um, it's always been a dream for motorists since pretty much the invention of the cars that our cars would be able to drive themselves and we can do whatever we want and uh, we can be safe. And the funny thing is, is that now that that is coming true, we are shying away from it, at least according to the latest information from AAA. They said that the uh, latest statistics they have, 68% of drivers surveyed are apprehensive towards fully self-driving autonomous cars. That's actually a 13% increase from last year. And I think a lot of it comes down to is what our perception is of the, uh, the car technology we have. Uh, because you have brand names like Autopilot and SkyNav and, and things like that that would kind of allude that the car should drive themselves. They don't. And they haven't. Um, they're in the process of kind of develop, develop, developing them now. But 1 in 10 drivers still believe that uh, the cars we have today with uh, the lane departure and the uh, 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 blind spot detector and uh, the, cruise, the adaptive cruise control, feel that, uh, they feel with all that technology we have, 1 in 10 Americans thinks that we can just sleep while behind the wheel. And, and that's not what's happening. And so that's what happens when you have people get into these horrific accidents. And then that kind of feeds into the fear of this technology. And why I bring this up is that uh, right now we're in a level two uh, uh, level two for uh, driver autonomy, which means the, the all the stuff I just mentioned. That's where we are. Level three is when we technically are going to have the car drive themselves, and even then you still have to have someone behind the the wheel. Uh, and that's a few years down the road. And researching this, I found that. Uh, I don't know why the federal government is doing this, but they're leaving it up to the states right now to come up with regulations regarding autonomous cars, which I think is going to be horrible, especially when you're driving from state to state. But what about if you sell from state to state? That means that some of the features may not be uh, available in the state that you reside. But in any case, just wanted to pass that along for you here this morning. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Morning. 
We're coming to one of my favorite times of the year, and I'm not Irish. It's funny, you know. We we I did the whole 23andMe uh, DNA ancestry thing, and my whole family, my whole life, had told me that well, you know, my lineage is Irish. And no, it's not. <laughs> um, in fact, a lot of it is is, is English. Um, and what I was told is a lot of times when the English were leaving to come to the New World, um, they didn't really have enough money. So they stopped in Ireland to kind of you know, save up money before they came to, uh, to America. And, you know, just as you had the influx of boats, they just – they – set sail from Ireland, and so people were labeled as Irish, even though they weren't. But anyways, I bring this up because we're coming close to St. Patrick's Day, and that is the one day of the year that everyone does does wish that they had, uh, they were Irish, or so the saying goes. And a lot of people, a lot of Americans are. 10%, roughly 10% of the U.S. population could trace their lineage back to the Emerald Island. Um, and you would tend to think a lot of the traditions and customs about St. Patrick's Day come from Ireland itself, but in Come to find out, a lot of the traditions we love are actually 100% American, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, probably the only tradition to actually come from Ireland is the color green. Now, of course, you know, or you may not know, but uh, the, the patron saint of Ireland, St. Patrick, the man who introduced Christianity to the Irish, his color was blue. So technically, St. Patrick's color is blue. In fact, that's why Scotland has a blue St. Andrew's cross because, uh, excuse me, St. Andrew's, that was a different one. But in any case, um, so the color green, you would tend to think is because, you know, uh, moss is green, uh, grass is green, pastures are green, trees are green, and, and there's a lot of green because of a lot of the, 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 the foliage that's in Ireland. But that's not where the wearing of the green came from. It's actually a political statement because much like uh, the United States, Ireland at one time was ruled by British colonialism, um, and they had a much more brutal history than we do here in the, in the New World. Um, but in essence, wearing of the green, the actual term that came from, was a way to kind of stick it to the British and saying, hey, we want you out of here. We want our own independence. Apparently, the British despise Irish wearing green. So just like a teenager, oh, you don't like it? Well, I'm going to do it. And that's where the whole terminology of, again, wearing of the green came from. It's more of a political statement to get Irish independence, which did eventually happen in 1922. How about this one? Any school child will let you know that if you don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day, you run the risk of being pinched. That's because the legend is that the leprechauns can't see you if you're wearing of the green. That is 100% American as well. The Irish are great storytellers and that's one of the uh stories uh so just you know keep in mind if you go to ireland on saint patrick's day if you pinch somebody you're probably going to end up in jail or with a a fat lip (laughs) if you know what i mean and then finally um more american than irish that would be what we interpret as corned beef and cabbage that is a staple of of ireland right well as it uh, as it turned out back to the british and being american colonialism um, the uh, Irish would actually raise a lot of cattle. They raised uh, a lot of pig and a lot of chickens and stuff like that, but they couldn't afford the cattle. Mainly that was shipped off to England, and the, the British would eat the beef, um, meaning that the Irish really didn't have much money to buy beef. And things started to change a little bit um, when, uh, you know, as things went on with, uh, with, uh, with the, uh, the colonies in the New World actually providing a lot of the beef that was provided. But it left the Irish with pretty much the only thing they could eat. And yes, it was the potato. 
And we all know what happens in the mid-1800s, 1845 in particular, it was the Great Potato Famine in Ireland, where the entire crop rotted out. There was no food. So basically, you either went to America or you starved to death. And so, as we know, as we know, we had a huge migration of the Irish coming into uh, the Americas back in the 1840s and 50s. And uh, I, I, I parallel this, not to get political, but I just parallel this to kind of the migrant situation we have today. That we had established Americans did not want the Irish coming into America. They wouldn't hire the Irish. They would make up, um, you know, little sayings of the Irish. Paddy wagon in particular is actually an Irish slur. Um, because the whole idea is that uh, the Irish, they would get drunk, which really is not necessarily true, but it was just one of those things that just kind of popped up. But in any case, so you had this huge influx of Irish coming in. Uh, They didn't really get to go anywhere else in the country because they were broke, and they ended up just kind of huddling in masses for protection in New York City, where they encountered another group of marginalized Americans making their way to the New World, and that would be the Jews. So... When the Irish started doing a lot of the work that people didn't want to do, kind of like the migrants, you know, doing the stuff that Americans didn't want to do, they actually started getting money. So they finally could afford to buy beef in America. But the beef they were getting, they couldn't find anywhere. They actually only had, they had to turn to the Jewish delis because they did have a cut of beef that we associate with the corned beef steak today. And that's the flank steak. And if anybody who knows who's ever bought a flank steak, you know that is one of the toughest cuts of beef that you have. But the Jewish uh, deli owners knew of ways to salt the meat, to tenderize it, and make it absolutely delicious. So the corned beef and cabbage we associate today that you see in the grocery stores that is associated with St. Patrick's Day is actually more Jewish than it is Irish. thought that was fascinating. And then finally, talked a bit about your passport. Maybe you're thinking about going to Ireland, uh, to, you know, to mark things off your bucket list. Uh, there's actually some new guidance from uh, the State Department that says that. Um, well, actually, let me backtrack just a little bit. So, if you uh, have never had a passport, um, I'll let you know. Um, there's a lot of pages on it, and, and I don't know if there's a rhyme or raiment as to how they, 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 you know, whatever they page they they stamp. But basically, if your passport is about to, is uh, is six months or less from expiring, you're not going to be able to travel anywhere, mainly because it takes time for you to get a new passport and add that into the time that the visas are good for, which generally are six months in different countries like uh, the European Union, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, stuff like that. Um, so uh, that's why the six-month rule has played into it. And generally within that six months, within four to six weeks, you could get your passport renewed. However, as I mentioned, uh, everyone's marking off things on their bucket list. Uh, the State Department is behind, and they're still behind from last year, getting the passports renewed. They're now saying instead of the normal uh, six to eight weeks, you need to allow 11 to 13 weeks for processing. So you add that into the six months that uh, you can't travel with a, uh, with a passport, Adding in those uh, 13 weeks, that's up to 10 months. You can see now, if you start now, you might get your passport uh, by the end of the year. All right? So there is the show for today, Friday, March 3rd, 2023. I'm Chris Malone. Always welcome your comments and feedback. C-M-A-L-O-N-E at odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.